Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Katherine Taylor. Christy, how are you this week? I'm really good, Catherine. You know, you need to start that better. That's what you started. That's how you started every time. I know, but I feel nervous about starting. And then you're just like, oh, I I just need to go on like, hey, Catherine, how are you this week? I know. Christy gets really nervous about when I tell her to start the podcast. And all you have to do is say hi. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Next week. Next week is your week. Oh, next week is my week. All right. So you made it back to Kansas, right? How how was that drive? Well, you know, we're doing COVID appropriate travel, which entails, you know, we, (laughs) I mean, if you want the good, bad and the ugly, you know, we drive straight through. So it was myself and um, Mason and Sydney. My husband stayed back in Patagonia. Um, Mason and Sydney are, Sydney are your 22-year-old twins. Yep, they're my 22-year-old twins, So, which I'll have to tell you a funny story on that in a second. But um, So I packed all the snacks and all the food, packed plenty of water. Um, you know, we all had our devices and ways to listen to stay entertained for the 18-mile haul or 18-hour haul back to Emporia, um, including, you know, our mask and gloves and then Clorox wipes, hand sanitizer, and toilet paper because there is no stopping to go to the bathroom in bathrooms. We do side, roadside bathrooms, <laughs> like literally outside bathrooms, <laughs> no going in anywhere. And so the only one that's allowed to touch anything was me, and that was completely gloved after wiping off the, you know, when we'd stop for gas, I'd wipe the handle off with the Clorox wipes use a rubber glove, get the gas, throw the glove away, hand sanitizer back in the car, and then on the road we went. So it was, um, 
it's not fun. And the car smells funky by the time you finish it. Because it's just like. Yeah, you got a 22 year old guy in there. Yeah, right? What's up with that? It's, yeah. But anyway, um, we made it back in just shy of 18 hours. We left Patagonia at 4 a.m. and got into Emporia at just before midnight that night. So long haul. Nice. Well, that I'm glad you made it back. And what's the funny story? Oh, <laughs> uh, I, we have, a. in addition to that rental property in Patagonia, we have one here in Emporia that's set up to host gravel cyclists. And, um, with everything that's going on, both kids, Mason basically graduated from college with all, you know, with none of the hoopla. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was pretty sad. And, and Sydney has one more semester, but needless to say, their summer jobs have evaporated. Um, so uh, we had downsized, my husband and I, to a smaller home when they went to college. So four people in this house is fine, but it's not the most comfortable. And so my husband and I talked, and on the way back, um, I told the kids that they were, I was going to have them move into the 7-Eleven house, which is the rental here in Emporia. And um, Needless to say, they both were kind of shocked, and I don't think they were super stoked on it. Um, and kind of like, why are, you, yeah, why are you kicking us out, mom? Like, well, it's a good way for you to pay rent, work to find some odds and end jobs, like start putting things back together, figuring out what your life looks like now that you're, you know, you're going to be 23 this fall. And, um, but they were both hesitant. So Sunday, more, Sunday afternoon, I was like, hey, let's just go over to the house and walk through it and check it out. Um, so we did. And, um, I was laughing because by the time we get back, they're both stoked and literally like moving out of the house that night, like over to the other house. And they get, you know, they did that. And then I realized Tim has the dog and my kids have moved out. So I'm in the house completely by myself. So tonight I'm making their favorite dinner in hopes that they'll come over for dinner. <laughs> I'm to bribe them to come back now. And they just moved out like two days ago. So I'm like, oh wow, God. I'm really lonely. So yeah. That's funny. That's funny. I have a lot, I have a lot of respect for single people in pandemic. Like I would definitely have to have a dog. Like well, I have a dog and two cats. That's got to help. <laughs> it does help. And it also helps like my, I live in a neighborhood where all of our neighbors are pretty close. So like we talk every day, mm-hmm. you know, when we're out walking our dogs or stuff. Um, but it definitely, um, I definitely have had moments where like, when if something happened to me and I died alone in the house? Like mm-hmm. my cat might just eat me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you become cat food. Yeah. But I'm, I'm an introvert. So for the last eight weeks of pandemic, I've kind of been okay, but I'm, I'm getting to my, like, I'm not really okay with this anymore. Um, I agree. Like, yeah. I'm, we've got to start looking for solutions on how we move forward with this change. Cause it's not, I mean, it's not going away obviously, but so what does it look like and how can we be um, socially responsible and still have some sort of semblance of a of life as, as it was, you know, eight, 10 weeks ago. So, yeah. Yeah. We are open for business in Georgia, so we can gather. We're not sheltered in place anymore unless you're, um, medically fragile or elderly. And 
so I've started doing like I rode with my friend Claire last weekend, which was nice. We were in a couple of times and then like another friend is coming over this weekend and we're going to have, you know, we're going to order takeout and sit on my deck, which there's plenty of space. And now they're even, you know, research is coming out that it's really hard to get this thing when you're outside. So, um, so starting to do a little bit more of that, which for me is mentally healthy as well. But wow, things are getting canceled right and left, right? Oh yeah, Leadville and SBT came out. So that's two big ones that takes us, you know, through August. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it looks different. The race season is blown up. <laughs> it's pretty much gone, but we are doing, so with Girls Gone Gravel, um, we are, so Ted King started this thing called DIY Gravel. Yes. And Laura King is, we've had her on the podcast and she's actually a, friend of yours. She's actually become a friend of mine too. Now I have friends yeah. and, uh, we are kind of, uh, piggybacking on what they're doing with DIY gravel with our own little girls con gravel group with dirty Kansas. So, um, I'm, I'm actually really excited about that because I needed something to quote unquote train for, or just like yeah. have a bigger challenge on my calendar. It just mentally that helps me, um, do that. So I'm, uh, the, the rule of it, we have a blog post that I'll, I'll link in the show notes, but over nine days, you basically um, would ride whatever distance that you want to choose from the race. So at Kanda, you have, well, ba- really five distances, right? Somebody could go for the 350. They yeah. Might. The three, so, they do the, 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 <laughs> the big daddy. Yeah. But there's the 25, 50 miles, a hundred miles or the 200. Yep. I'm going to try to do 200 over nine days. What are you going to do? Um, I haven't decided I'm going to do 200, but I don't know the all in one day. I I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm in that headspace right now. That that would be hard. That'd be hard. It's, and it's interesting because as much as I love the idea that I could do that, if Tim was back here, I think I'd make him do the 200 with me on the tandem because that's not something we're ever going to get to do or most likely won't get to do. So I thought that would be kind of fun, but he's really, he's not here yet or right now. Um, so I don't know which, what I'm going to do. I may get a wild hair and just be like, you know what? I'm going to go for the full 200 in, in one day, but I'm kind of thinking, um, of doing it over two days, like over the weekend. So I haven't, I haven't fully decided. I don't know. Yeah. So we're just doing this. We're we're doing it for fun. But Ted, like if you go to his and you enter your Strava stuff, you can potentially win prizes um, for it. But we just wanted something to kind of like rally us, create some community. We have a bunch of women in our Facebook group. We have a women's gravel Facebook group that are doing the 200 over different timeframes. And then some that are doing the 50. uh, And that's like one woman said, I'm doing the 50. It'll be the longest ride I've ever ever done. Which is amazing. So, um, yeah, so I'm really excited. Like there's something about having a goal outside of yourself. That's nice when life is so uncertain, I think. Yeah. And giving yourself the grace to do something. I mean, in the same way, like for me, normally I'd be like, I have to do the 200. Um, but I've really found space for myself in this last eight weeks of giving myself that grace of like, that just doesn't feel like something I want to do right now. And that's okay. I don't have to be this super 
badass, crazy lady right now. I can kind of just do the distance that fits where I'm sitting. Yeah. I just kind of feel like you did something as part of the community. Yeah. So you're linking that in the show notes. So we yeah, can all- link it in the show notes, but, um, but conveniently, this is actually a, a conversation we recorded a few weeks ago, but we are talking to your coach this week. So why don't you tell us about your coach? <laughs> we are <laughs> talking to my coach. She might change her mind, change your mind about what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a running joke. It's We have Kristen Legan on the show today, which, um, Kristen is just uh, one of the most genuine and kind human beings on the planet. Um, she also happens to be um, an amazing cyclist and had been a triathlete, um, but has really found love for the gravel. Um, she did the, she's done the 350 at DK um, in the inaugural year, inaugural year of 2018, and she did it and completed it last year, 2019, and had slated to do it this year. Um, and she's just, she's a great coach. Um, I laugh because I literally for the last month have been like, yeah, I'm not doing your workouts right now. Um, I'm still riding and running and doing workouts, but just for whatever reason, I just kind of stepped, stepped back from the structure, which is very unlike me. Um, but, uh, she's amazing and a huge talent. If you're looking for a coach, Rambler Rising is her company, and, and um, her husband, Nick, is also an avid cyclist, um, an amazing mechanic, and works with Shimano. So um, it's a great conversation, I think, and, and one that's really, that's really insightful into, into training kind of in a pandemic and, and when, stress, when stress is there, for sure. Yeah. Well, we'll stop talking, and we'll get on to that conversation <laughs> with Kristen. Awesome. Well, welcome to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. We are so excited to be here with Kristen Legan today. And Kristen is actually Christy's coach. So she is. Christy, <laughs> thought it would be really fun to have her on. And she also coaches a lot at the Dirty Kansas training camps. And so thank you so much for joining us today, Kristen. Thanks for having me. Stoked to be part of it. Yeah. So it is an interesting time to be a coach because all of a sudden uh, events are going away. uh, People are really struggling, even just with their own internal motivation. Tell us about your life. Like, what does that look like right now? What's going on with you? How are you adapting? All the things. Tell us all the things. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, no, it's a super weird time right now um, to be an athlete and a coach. Um, I think a lot of us are, you know, our events have either been canceled or they've been pushed to a different time later in the season. Um, I was, my first race of the season was going to be DKXL this year. Um, And so obviously that has been postponed till September. Um, And so, you know, I think all of us are trying to figure out what is, you know, what's the next step? What should we be doing right now? um, And then trying to adapt our training plans to those next steps. Um, But it's tough because I think everybody's in a different situation, um, whether your event has been postponed or canceled. Um, and it's, it's, it's a hard time. So I think taking some time to figure out, you know, what are the goals for the year and what are your next events that potentially will be happening and trying to change up the training plan, um, 
to focus more towards those those first events. So that's what I've been doing personally, just with my own training and in, in racing, but also working with athletes on um, just readjusting, reframing this this season. Because um, even even if we do get to race, it's going to be a little bit different. And so I think we have to go in with different expectations and different training um, around those events. Yeah. How much does this um, set things back in your mind? Like, what are you what are you generally instructing athletes to do now with the with the change of the spring season basically disappearing? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's 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 great because it does um, offer a lot of opportunities for people who maybe didn't get the training that they wanted to get done this spring. Um, if they had something come up, if they got sick, it allows us to expand a little bit more of kind of the base training. So like the long steady, just building up an aerobic base kind of training. Um, it allows us to kind of push back and focus on that, which everybody, every athlete can benefit from that. So in some ways it's great, you know, for some athletes, this is a, this is a real help. Um, they're going to be able to enter those races feeling stronger later in the season. Um, but for other people who, you know, had a perfect lead up and were feeling really great, um, it, I think that depends on the, the specific athlete, because if you, you know, if you are ready to peak right now, you know, if you were planning on racing in April um, or in May, you're probably getting pretty primed at this point. And so there's one way you could you could take that so that you don't want to waste that fitness. So there, maybe there's something like a, a QOM that you've been eyeing for a super long time, um, making up some kinds of different goals that you could uh, go after from home or, you know, if you're able to ride outside, if you could do that. Um, so using it that way, or, you know, again, we can always go back to the base training and we can readjust and reschedule things. Um, so, so that's kind of the, the two options I think that are out there. Um, but, and it just really depends on what your, what your goals are and what you're working on towards. I would imagine as a coach, you almost become a little bit of a therapist too, because people are probably feeling disappointed. <laughs> and I, I know I worked in fitness and people would just like unload things on me. There's kind of a relationship of trust that gets built. How yeah. are you, how is that going with your athletes? How are you handling that? And especially maybe that disappointment. I think we're all feeling that even if we didn't have an event, we're feeling disappointed. For sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've all put work and energy and emotion into these events. Um, so it is a letdown and it is something that we can be sad about. And I think that's something that we need to recognize is that you don't have to push through and just be positive the whole time. Like it's okay to mourn these things. Um, you know, it was, it's a big part of our lives and, um, and sometimes you just have to, you know, roll with it, but I think it's okay to take them, take them a few days and, and kind of be bummed about it. Um, you know, for me personally, I took a week off the bike and just went for some hikes and, um, you know, luckily I live in Colorado, so we can still go outside and do some hikes like that. But, um, but yeah, I think taking those moments, reflecting on, you know, it's a bummer that these things are happening. There's obviously there's way bigger issues happening in the world right now. So keeping things in perspective is always good. But um, but then but then re, re refocusing, reassessing. Okay, I took that moment. I was bummed. I'm sad. But now I'm going to move on. You know what can I do to you know make this situation better? How can I prepare myself better for when I do get to start racing again. But, um, yeah, I think just working with athletes on, you know, their particular situation and, 
and how to reframe it so that you can find some positivity in there um, so that they can be excited and motivated. You've, um, you've been a Kanza coach for four, four or five years. Is that right? Yeah. And have, um, I think that's right. And, and been on the podium at Dirty Kanza a time or two and um, have completed the DKXL. You've done, you've done both years, but completed it last year. What, um, what else is in your background and what brought you to being a coach? <laughs> nice. Um, well, I've been an athlete my entire life. I grew up swimming. I was a competitive swimmer and um, swam year round, went to college, swam NC2A Division One, and um, just loved, loved being an athlete. Um, and I've been a coach basically my whole life. I think from the beginning when I was on the side of this pool deck, I was always willing to to tell the other kids, you know, what they needed to be doing in the swimming pool. But um, I started coaching in high school with swim teams and then moved into, um, I personally started racing triathlon after, like, when I was in college um, and was fortunate to work with um, an amazing coach, Neil Henderson, with Apex Coaching. He's, a, you know, one of the best coaches in the world, in my opinion. And so I've learned, I learned a ton under him. Um, and then when I got into gravel, my, my husband kind of introduced me to DK. He started doing DK back in like 2010 or something like that and just fell in love with it. And he probably went a couple of years and came back every year and was just like, you have to try this. You have to do this gravel thing. And I was still deep in the, the triathlon world at that point. But um, finally tried, tried gravel and just, again, once you do it, you fall in love with it, especially DK and Emporia and that whole scene. Um, and so that's when I kind of, I stepped away from Apex to start my coaching company, Rambler Rising, um, which focuses more on the gravel community, you know, gravel coaching and endurance coaching, do some bike packing coaching. Um, but it's more about that kind of gravel adventure side of things. Um, and it's just really, it follows just what I love and the people that I love and being part of that community. That's Awesome. I was curious. Uh, I work with a lot of women that are very beginner uh, gravel cyclists, or maybe they've been cycling a long time and they've never done any events. And they kind of have this idea, like to do an event, you have to be trying to win an event and to have a coach, you need to like want to win. And um, I've actually been encouraging women, like let's sign up for some local events together. Like it doesn't have to be this huge DK. You can come just to kind of challenge yourself on the day. But um, what would you say to women that maybe say, well, I'm not an athlete. I shouldn't get coached. I shouldn't sign up for events, you know? Yeah. Kind of give us your insight. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, um, we all want to feel good on the bike, right? Like nobody wants to go out on their bike and feel, you know, feel sluggish or feel uncomfortable. Um, even if you're, if you're not even planning to sign up for a race or a Grand Fondo or a ride, group ride, it's still nice to have some structure in there so that you do feel like you're improving or you're getting faster or you're getting fitter. Um, and, then, and then when we do sign up for events, you know, we don't have to always be racing, right? Like, I love to race. It's great. But there's plenty of events that I'll go to just to go be part of it. Um, but I still want to train and be prepared for those because it's a heck of a lot nicer to finish a race feeling, you know, feeling like you put it all out there and you were able to get across the finish line, still feeling, you know, uh, 
with some energy and you're not totally cracked. So, you know, whatever your goal is, having structure, having some kind of, you know, um, plan to, to work off of, I think can be really helpful. And it just makes those events so much more fun. You can just participate in the, in the action of it um, without feeling super bad. Yeah. And it makes it more fun for you because you're not like, what should I do today? Right. Like, somebody just told me what to do today. It's like, an yeah. investment. I, I always love coaching because it's an investment in yourself. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, and it, as you kind of mentioned earlier with the, the, the therapist side of things, it is nice to have somebody just bounce ideas off of and say, Hey, you know, I'm not feeling good today. You know, I don't think I want to ride my bike and having somebody to kind of talk to you about that and whether the coach is saying, Oh, well, I think you can push through this and, and you go out and you accomplish that ride and you're really proud about it. Or you realize, yeah, I think I am. I'm super stressed at work or I'm fighting off a cold or something like that. Just having somebody there to, to help kind of uh, with making those decisions is nice. So you're not relying on yourself the whole time. But you just, I mean, you, you said a couple t- things that really kind of um, brought some good questions to my mind. One is the, the concept of structure and, and how important that can be in a training plan. What does that mean? And in, in, well, and like for me, the reason I signed up for a coach was I wanted to make the most out of my workout. Um, talk a little bit about how that works and, and why that's important. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we're all super busy, right? Like, a lot of us have families and kids, we work, we're, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in life. Um, so as much as I think some of us would love to just go ride our bikes all day, all the time, Christy Moon, um, we do, <laughs> we do uh, have other responsibilities. And so if we're, you know, we have to make that time on the bike useful. Um, and so having some structure, having some specific uh, workouts or efforts that we put into those, those different rides can make, um, can accelerate your improvement. It can make you a faster, more efficient cyclist um, rather than just going out for, you know, an hour ride and, and going at your own speed. Um, you know, the structure is also really important. We always talk about it in terms of training and, and improving, but we also want to talk about that structure helps with recovery, which is a huge part of training in itself because we can't get better unless we recover. Um, so a lot of times coaches, you know, I'll, I'll talk to, it's always holding athletes back, you know, making sure they're taking the time of easy, easy rides that they need to rather than just pushing, pushing, pushing. Yeah, I think you're kind of getting into this, but one of my questions was what is the biggest mistake or some of the biggest mistakes you see uh, non-coached or beginner athletes or really enthusiastic athletes make? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh man, we make all kinds of, I mean, everybody, we, we still make mistakes when we're, you know, seasoned athletes. And that's the great part is that you can learn from those mistakes. But, um, but when it comes to training, I think the two that I see the most, especially when it comes to gravel or endurance training is not resting enough. Um, we want to just always be pushing ourselves harder and harder. Um, and then we just wear ourselves out and that either leads to burnout where you don't want to even look at your bike or, um, or, you know, we can actually make ourselves kind of sick doing that. So we don't want to, we want to make sure we're always adding in some rest days some rest weeks, make sure our bodies can come back and recover, um, and be stronger. The other side of it is, is, um, one mistake that I see a lot with beginner athletes is going out and doing the same pace every single day on their rides. Um, there's, uh, a lot that can happen 
when you add in some different efforts, when you're working just different physiological systems, um, it makes you um, a more efficient rider. It makes you a faster rider and it just, it boosts your training. So anybody who's, you know, who's been riding their bikes and they feel like they're plateauing in their speed or their fitness, a lot of times that's because you're doing the same thing over again. And so your body's adapting to that pace or that effort level. And we need to be pushing our bodies and pushing those boundaries on a regular basis. So adding in some higher intensity workouts or some higher, harder efforts, um, that can really help push your, push your fitness um, and performance. Another question kind of related on to that. Uh, so let's say you're working with somebody that's never done a longer distance endurance event before. How do they know, like, what are some questions they can ask themselves about, like, am I, am I ready to do this? Like, do I have the time and the, is my body ready? All those things like to make an assessment because, you know, a lot of times we're like, oh, wow, there's like a 200 mile, you know, these big epic gravel rides, but how do you know if you're ready to train for something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we underestimate ourselves all the time. Um, and so rather than thinking about, you know, can I do this? I think it's better maybe to think about how can I do this? Um, and just finding the little pieces here and there that you can work into your day or into your training that will help you get to that, whatever your goal is, you know, whatever distance you're trying to do or whatever race you're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, we all have so much potential in, in ourselves every single day that we can put out there. Um, and it's just trying to unlock that. And that's, you know, that's one of the nice things about working with the coaches. You do get that outside perspective where, you know, I can feel like, Oh my gosh, I'm so busy today. I, there's no way I can fit this 30 minute, strength session in, but having a coach there to kind of work with you and, and say, Hey, let's try and, you know, change this up a little bit, or, um, you know, we'll, we'll make your weekend ride a little bit longer so that you don't, you know, you can take this Tuesday off if you need to. Um, but, but trying to figure out, you know, what you can do or how you can do it is, um, it's really just about working, you know, deciding what your goal is and if that's something that you really want to work towards. Um, and then you'll be able to, to, to create that space in your life um, to, to make it happen. I think that's really key is like when we decide to put ourselves first, just, just for a, a little bit each day and making sure that you get those, that those workouts in. And I think, I think for me, that's where a coach really helped me decide that that was important and a priority and that I was a better person. I was a better version of myself when I was getting those workouts in for sure. Yeah. It's amazing how, am much, better, yeah. how much uh, riding bikes can help us, you know, and, and how it makes, it feels like your day is really busy, but when you start working in those workouts, you become more efficient. And so you're actually doing more by riding, um, or, you know, doing whatever workout you need to be doing. Um, yeah, Christy, I think that's exactly right. I don't think I've ever come back maybe one or one, once or twice from a run or a ride in a bad mood. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of have a, I kind of have a rule of thumb if I'm really not wanting to go, um, that I'm going to go out the door for at least 15 minutes. And if at the end of 15 minutes, I still feel like I don't want to be out there, then I'll turn around and go back. And, and again, I think that's happened maybe five times in my whole life that I've, turned around and gone back 
and yeah. just you really realize how important being out there and, and your body is. I think. Mm-hmm. What um what inspired you to take on the DKXL? I mean, you were one of the initial invites in the thirty four in year mm-hmm. one, but then you signed up to come back. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, I ask myself that a lot. (laughs) Um, no, I think, I think honestly, like Christy Moan is, is a big inspiration to me. She puts these challenges in front of me. You know, I, I'm Christy's coach, but she's a mentor to me in certain ways. Um, so, you know, and the same thing with, I'm going to be doing lead boat this year if it happens um and that was another christy moan just coming to me saying hey we have this crazy adventure for you do you want to do it um and that was part of dkxl it was just something new and different and it was a total honor to be invited to do that as part of that first 34 people um and you know i went went to it the first year had a problem with my knee going into it it was a super weird fluke thing that happened two weeks before dkxl or it's a super long story, but I ended up hurting my knee. Um, and so then I lined up for DKXL, just knowing that I was probably not going to make it through knowing what was going on. Um, and so tried it, got to about, um, 180 miles and had to call it. So I obviously had to sign up for the next year. Um, because if you don't finish something, you definitely want to go back and try and do it again. So, um, had a much better year last year, finished it, was super happy. Um, swore I would never ever 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 do it again and um but I'm signed up for it again so (laughs) this the cycle of gravel and racing and pushing yourselves just continues and it's always gonna suck you back in but that's a it's a super special event um and like any gravel just uh finding something that really challenges you physically and mentally I think is um is a huge draw and it's something that makes gravel special are there any other favorite events that you have or events that you recommend to people um, that you're like, this is just a great event to do or really good challenge or. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a hard one. That's so good. There's so many, that's the great thing about gravel is, is it's exploding right now. So there's so many different races that can suit your different, you know, if you're a climber and you want to do super long, steady climbs, go do crusher in the tusher. Um, if you like, the really rolling hills um you know there's tons of those out on the east coast um big sugars coming up that has plenty of little kickers um but you know i love gravel worlds that's one of you know one of the original big gravel races um and they're wonderful people but um i don't know there's a there's a lot out there um what's the terrain like in nebraska i keep asking people that because i just picture cornfields (laughs) It's cornfields. So Gravel Worlds is, and Christy, you've actually done Gravel Worlds far more than many, much more than I have. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it's flatter than a DK course, but it still has those big rolling hills for the most part. Is that accurate way to describe it? Yeah, no, it's accurate. There's, it's a, it's a lot less climbing. Um, I think the other thing too, that I've been, that I think we've done well in the gravel racing scene is putting out these challenges and offering different distances of all of these events so that you don't have to go for that super epic long day. Um, you know, Gravel Worlds has, I think they have, their shortest one now is down to around 50, I think. 
Um, I'd have to look, maybe it's even a little bit less than that, but um, I think that's a great way for a beginner to get started in this is that sign up for one of these events where you know it's well run and where you know um, the people that are putting it on know what they're doing. Um, and you can pick a shorter distance and come and feel the vibe and, and see, see what it's all about and, and not feel like you have to be ready to ride 150 miles at like gravel worlds or 200 miles at dirty Kansas. It's not, it's those other distances have tons of value and they, they are just as challenging depending on where you're at and your fitness as, as the big ones. So um, I'm, I'm glad that we have those opportunities now in the gravel scene for, for those shorter distances. So, yeah, no, I think that's a great point because there is this fixation on going to these events and doing these huge, super long distances. But as Christy is saying, like there are other options and those, it doesn't mean that those shorter distances aren't hard, aren't challenging. You know, you still want to train for those and you still want to be prepared for those. Um, one of the things that we always talk about at the DK camp is about um, not always riding farther, but riding faster. And I think mm -hmm. that's a really, that's a huge thing that we can all, you know, think about and improve upon because riding the, you know, the DK 50 or the DK 100 super fast can be just as hard as, you know, finishing the 200. Um, so I think, you know, it's always about just figuring out what's your challenge and, um, and then being ready for that, for, you know, preparing for that um, in different ways. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And sometimes it's fun to sign up for those shorter distances, distances to just go and enjoy the party more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've done that a time or two where I'm like, I don't want to do that long one. I'm going to do the shorter one and get back I'm, faster. Yeah, I'm always like, I'm going to take pictures and uh, celebrate other people coming in at the finish line when I do the shorter distances. Yeah. Um, the best races are the ones that have, you know, the, the whiskey handups or the beer handups at the aid stations or at the checkpoints. Um, because you do, you stop and you get to hang out with people rather than just riding next to them. I mean, we still get to talk when we're riding, but it's fun when you, when you have a little bit of that, you know, that culture side of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think like one thing that people, if they're hesitant to do an event or, kind of get in there and put themselves out is sometimes we can go get so focused on the outcome. And this is something I had to learn. It's really who you become in the process. And that is more than who your body <laughs> becomes, mm -hmm. but just like the mental stuff. I was just thinking how much better endurance athletes are equipped to deal with everything that's going on. And I don't, it's not because of the long distance races. It's because of the process mm -hmm. that it takes to train for a race where you take six or eight months and it's just grunge, you know, like yeah. a lot of times. Yeah. And just being able to adapt to things, you know, out in these, these big rides and races, you know, the weather can come in, you can get a flat tire, you're, you can forget to grab your food, you know, all of these things can happen and we have to learn to just, okay, what's the situation? How do I fix it? How do I keep moving forward? And I, I think that's where we're in daily life right now is okay. What's the latest update? You know, where are we at? How are we going to move forward and keep, you know, keep ourselves sane and healthy and, and pr productive? Um, so, yeah, I think I, endurance athletes are totally prepared for this situation um, and just life in general, being able to make those changes when we need to. Um, before you, you said something to me back when this whole thing kind of came out and especially when we were preparing for the virtual camp for, for DK about stress is stress. Mm -hmm. um, and that, I think I would love to hear you speak on that a little bit, because I think it was such an important moment for me 
it was something really good for me to hear because I'm not, I'm super bad. Like you put a training plan up and you know, I don't like missing my stuff. So it's like to hear you say that was powerful. Yeah. Yeah. This is a great example. And it, it, it transfers over to daily life. You know, if we're having a stressful day at work, you know, down the road or anything like that. So, um, yeah. So stress comes into your body from multiple different ways. You know, uh, there's, you know, your life, your family, your kids, your work, um, that's stressful. But then there's also the training stress. And that's, again, that's just another stress on your body. Um, and so when we go into situations where that life stress is elevated, so when there's a pandemic happening, or, or again, if you have a big meeting that's coming up that you're really stressing about, um, that's putting, that's taking away from your body's ability to, to train and recover properly. So we have to kind of balance those out at times and realize where those different stresses are coming in and how do we, how do we keep that balance? So sometimes that means we need to drop the training load a little bit. It means we need to um, lower the training volume a little bit, or, you know, hopefully we can find ways to de-stress the other side of our life. Um, but we, we have to be able to kind of manipulate and make our training dynamic to help work around our lives. You know, for pros, when their job is riding their bikes, um, they have the ability to just focus on that and they can, you know, put the other sides of life, push that side down. But for the rest of us, we have to take care of, you know, our families and our jobs first, um, before training. And so using using your training stress to kind of um, help balance your life um, can be really a, a, it's a helpful tool, but it's also an important thing to understand that um, if you are feeling really unmotivated, if you're feeling tired, if you're feeling sick, it could be because you have too much stress coming in your life and you need to reduce it in one way or another. And typically that's through training. Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, we can't unfortunately change a lot of our external stresses, especially right now. Yeah. <laughs> so just adapting. And I've done, I've been doing a lot of rides just where I'm like, I'm just going for fun, you know, yeah. like, um, and, and enjoying them. Um, so wanted to ask you if you were talking to somebody who is a beginner, maybe thinking about doing a first event or, uh, you know, there's even now a lot of virtual events starting to pop up. What would be your top three tips for them? Sorry. Will you your top three training top. That was a long way of saying, what are no. your top three training tips for beginners? That's a tongue twister. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. Training tips for beginners. So I think the first thing, as you kind of just pointed out, was have fun with it. Cycling should be about having fun, being outside or inside, either way, whatever is works for you. But um, finding what makes you excited to get on the bike and what makes you feel good after you get off of the bike. Um, so for me, that's being outside, you know, in the mountains and riding up a, a big climb and descending down and feeling that kind of breeze in your face. Um, but it, for other people, it can be getting those intervals done on the trainer inside. You know, we're all different and we all find that kind of happiness um, out of it. So, you know, that's kind of the cheesy tip of have fun with it. Um, but I do think that's really important. Um, but I also think that um, finding the community 
side of cycling is also another important part of for beginners because it's easy for us i think as busy people to go out and just i'm going to go ride my bike by myself and right now that's what we need to be doing but in a, in the normal world um it's it's helpful to find you know group rides or different teams that do rides or bike shops that have group rides on the weekends and being becoming part of that um Cycling is a great sport. It's a great way to, to meet people that like to do the same things as you. And it just keeps you motivated because if you, you know, if you know your friend is showing up for this ride, you're going to be more motivated to go do that when you maybe you don't want to get out the door. Um, but I think, you know, finding, finding that social side of cycling will keep you excited about it. Um, especially if you're just getting into it. And then, um, the, the biggest thing I think for any cyclist who wants to make themselves a better cyclist is consistency. Um, you don't necessarily need to be going out and doing huge miles every single day to become, you know, the next biggest star. But, um, but being on your bike regularly makes it, makes you improve faster, but it also makes riding your bike um, more comfortable and, and fun. You know, if you've been off your bike for a while, you get back on and you're kind of like, my body doesn't feel quite right. Maybe my saddle doesn't feel super comfortable or, you know, my neck hurts a little bit from being in that position. And um, the more you ride, the more your body kind of adapts to that position and, and that um, constant training. Um, and so you, you actually can have more fun with your training when you're doing it more regularly. Good points. Um, thanks for joining us. <laughs> it's always it's always fun to get to talk to you where can yeah. we where can everybody find you where can we hunt you down <laughs> um yeah yeah um i'm on um well i'm on instagram in kp legan so that's l-e-g-a-n um that's where you can get social side of things but um i have a website rambler.com you can google rambler rising it'll come up kind of i think the first one um, but that's kind of the coaching site. There's ways, you know, emails, you can contact through there, um, ask questions, chat about what you should be doing or anything like that. Always happy to, to chat on all of that. But, yeah. We'll put all of that in the show notes too. So it'll be easy for people to find you. So. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's super fun. Love the podcast and the <laughs> yeah, just excited. <laughs> excited to be part of it and just, you know, love this gravel community. So uh, the more we can do and share and just help each other, elevate each other up, it's great. Awesome. Awesome. Stay well. Yeah, you too. <laughs> the Girls Gone Gravel podcast is a production of Live Feisty Media. Subscribe, like, and comment on your listing platform. Our producer is Taylor Mayhem Rudolph. You can follow us on all of the socials at Girls Gone Gravel or visit our website at girlsgonegravel.com. <laughs>